We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 488 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. Today, I am going to be breaking down the Packers' frustrating 37-8 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. Uh, Where to start? That was certainly a frustrating game. I kind of want to wrap it up with one word to describe that game and just put a big bow on it right to start with. And that word is concerning. That was a concerning loss for the Green Bay Packers. And the reason it was so concerning is because we just saw this game. We just saw this game three weeks ago against the Los Angeles Chargers, where they went to the West Coast, completely did not show up, completely had no answer, completely had no response through the majority of the game. And they completely blew it. They completely blew the entire game, laid an egg, and the entire thought process kind of after that from myself and a lot of other people was, okay, there's some accident forgiveness there. The team had been really good all season long. It was a really fantastic uh, record that the Packers had at that point. You're willing to forgive one game like that if it's just one game. No, no harm, no foul for the most part. You obviously hate to see it no matter what, but you can maybe forgive it a little bit because it was really the first time it happened. The other loss to the Eagles was competitive. They had never shown any game like that in the past under you know Matt Lafleur. So that was kind of the story after the Chargers game. 
but this one was arguably worse. They go West Coast again. They have another tough game uh, with another Bosa brother. Apparently their kryptonite is, is California teams with uh, one of the Bosa brothers on it. But in all seriousness, they went out and they played worse than they did in that Chargers game, at least in my opinion. So that is concerning. It is incredibly concerning. And the 49ers basically took this the, the, the Packers playbook of how to beat them and they ran it throughout the entirety of this game. And the Packers weaknesses that have kind of manifested themselves in different ways throughout the course of the season, all of them showed up. You know, they really usually need to win the turnover battle in order to be successful. Uh, today, they lost that turnover battle and couldn't get one on defense. And that was uh, certainly something from the, the opening drive where they turned the ball over that really put Green Bay b- behind the scoreboard. Really, they went down 7 nothing pretty much immediately. Green Bay's inability to be efficient on defense and kind of get the opposing team off the field, that was a problem. They couldn't get the turnovers. The Packers' inability to create big plays on offense, the inability to not give up big plays on defense. We saw the George Kittle play. Um you know, the, the special teams, more negative return yardage. J.K. Scott was uh, had a horrible day punting. It, it was all the things that showed up at different parts of the season, uh, and they all happened, again, very similar to that Chargers game just a few weeks back. And why this one is so concerning as well is there was a lot of things that were really in Green Bay's favor going into this game. Now, of course, it's a tough road game against a very good football team. No question about that. But Green Bay was healthier. They were coming off a bye. The 49ers were playing their third game in 13 days. Two weeks ago, they played an overtime game that went all the way to the very last play. Last week, they played a very tough game with the Arizona Cardinals that went until the very end, really went to the last play of that game. This was a, a bit of a, a tired, beat-up 49ers team, and I know they were getting back uh, You know, George Kittle. I know Samuel and Sanders were both playing, but this was a, a beat-up team and a tired team, especially in comparison to the Packers, and it did not look like that at all. If you were to say which team looked like the the team that played three games in 13 days and which team was coming off its bye, uh, you would have flipped those two teams completely. So that's why this is so concerning. And really, there's no excuse for there ever to be one game like that throughout the course of a season if if you're a contending football team, to have two where you completely, completely crap the bed, for lack of a better term. It's completely unacceptable. And and that's really the first big red flag, in my opinion, of, of the Matt LaFleur era is, is having two games like that so close in proximity and really showing no ability to learn from your mistakes in the first one. That's concerning. And that's why that word is the word that kind of sums up this game and sums up this performance and uh, is really the thing that, that took me by surprise because everything that I thought going into this game that Green Bay was going to try to do uh, and everything that Green Bay said, you know, that they were going to take the bye week to self-scout and get healthy. It, It seemed like a tired football team that played a lot of games in a row. This was their opportunity to come and show that that Chargers game was in fact a fluke to show that they can compete with some of the best teams in the NFL, like the 49ers. And uh, to completely lay down and not even be competitive was really surprising to me. I, I, you know, honestly did not see that type of performance coming at all, certainly within the realm of possibility that they could have gotten beat and maybe even by double digits, you know, maybe they lose by 10 points, 49ers just outplay them, but in no way, shape or form did I expect the Packers to go out and get completely 
blown out of that game and never be competitive. I did not think that was in the realm of possibility at all. And certainly that's the case uh, of what happened. So one game can be a fluke. The the Chargers game can be a fluke. Two games is not a fluke. Uh, That is concerning. That is an issue. And they have to figure it out. The 49ers and Chargers have put a lot of things on tape that other teams are going to be able to copy and look at going forward. And if Green Bay didn't figure out in their bye week, well, now they've got a, you know, a short, you know, regular one week uh, time frame where they are going to have to look at it again. You know, thankfully, I guess you're going against the Giants and the Redskins uh, in the next two games with, with Daniel Jones and uh, Dwayne Haskins and, and maybe not some of the most potent teams in the world that hopefully you can kind of get right and get some momentum going before, you know, playing the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions to finish up the season. But that was as concerning of a game as there has been all year long. And they have a long ways to go if they want to finish this season off the right way. Uh, the, The game with the Minnesota Vikings will loom large over the course of the next month, but one game at a time, and they've got to get the ship righted as they go to New York, all the way East Coast now. That's never an easy thing. Uh, I think Green Bay's still going to be a, probably a pretty significant favorite in that game, and it's not like they put a ton of uh, you know high intensity snaps on the on the field this game, uh, you know, unfortunately. So hopefully they can they can bounce back. Two weeks, you know, gone from their bye week, make the corrections and uh, get in, you know, go into New York and get the win before having two home games against the Redskins and the Bears, but. This was disappointing to say the least. And if if we want to take a look at some of the numbers from this game, the numbers were atrocious as you would probably expect them to be. Let's start with the offense. The offense had 70 plays in total that amounted to 198 net yards or 2.8 yards per play, which is atrocious. Uh, They dropped back to pass 45 times and ended with 81 net passing yards, 81 net passing yards on 45 dropbacks, 1.8 yards per dropback. And oh, by the way, of those 81, 15 of those were by Tim Boyle in garbage time. So uh, that just goes to show you, you know, regardless how awful the passing offense was. They ran the ball okay if you look at the total numbers. 28 rushes, 117 yards, actually had more rushing yards than the 49ers, had 4.2 yards per rush, but some caveats here as well. A late 12-yard run by Jamal Williams, a 21-yard reverse by Alan Lazard, and 13 yards rushing by Aaron Rodgers actually made this look a heck of a lot better. The running backs in and of themselves really got nothing going, and Aaron Jones finished the game with less than three yards per carry. So uh, was okay as a team running the football, but not great if you kind of look at it when when it mattered and when they actually were trying to establish the running game. They, they really struggled to do so. Aaron Rodgers uh, was 20 of 33 for 104 yards, did have the touchdown pass to Devontae Adams, but was sacked five times. That was certainly a big issue within this game was the protection by the offensive line. Green Bay was one of 15 on third downs, one of 15 on third downs. That one conversion, the second to last play of the game on that 12-yard run by Jamal Williams, they were 0 for 14 leading up to that play. So third down, a massive, massive issue in this game. Uh, Devontae did get his first touchdown, but only seven catches for 43 yards, just over six yards per catch and only a long of 14 yards. So he couldn't really get going in this game. J.K. Scott, 
averaged 37 yards per punt. His long was only 41 yards and didn't have any inside the 20. So it's not like he was trying to pin teams deep in their own end zone. And that's why some of the, the, you know, punts were shorter. He had a brutal game punting and some of the, you know, you know, maybe excuses recently. Well, you know, it was in bad weather against Carolina or, you know, whatever the case may be. This was in perfect weather in San Francisco. And he had a horrible day punting. And if you haven't noticed by now, JK Scott is a streaky punter. And if if you've ever watched his his punting style, everything is very robotic and very mechanical. And if there if if anything goes off just a little bit, there's no room for variance there. It's basically a drop and he takes a huge windup and a huge follow through. And, and again, everything is set to be very mechanical with it. But if one thing goes wrong and one thing, if the drop gets inconsistent, if the leg motion gets inconsistent, if anything's off, it's going to go horribly. Now, we saw earlier in the year, if things are going right, it looks great. It looks amazing. But if he's in a bad streak and and, the, and things are just off, just a a fraction, a fraction within his process, it can go really bad really quickly. And that's where things have gone over the course of the last few weeks. Hang time's been an issue for him as well. Punt return team had another negative yardage performance, which is just mind-blowing that Green Bay at this point in the season, 11 games in, has negative punt return yardage. They would have been better off if they just fair caught every single punt up to this point in the season. That is insane and unacceptable, frankly. Uh, The 49ers had 339 yards of total offense on only 45 plays. So again, defensive efficiency has been a big issue. Yeah, Green Bay didn't, you know, allow a ton of yardage, you know, but they allowed uh, big yardage on very few plays and the efficiency was certainly there for the 49ers. George Kittle, what a surprise. You know, tight ends killed the Green Bay defense. Uh, Six catches, 129 yards and a touchdown for Kittle. And no matter how you want to break down the statistics, no matter how you want to break down the performance, it was ugly, ugly, ugly all the way through. And the statistics certainly match what I think everybody saw on tape uh, for the, the the TV tape through the first watch through. And uh, I get to go back and, and watch every single one of those snaps, over 70 snaps on offense. So please, uh, you know, keep me in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, it, I'm sure the, the grades are going to be very, very ugly as well, because uh, there's not much good that can come out of that when you have those type of numbers and that type of performance on the whole. Some of the more concerning aspects. I've used that word, you know, concerning multiple times now, but some of the things that were so concerning about this, first of all, the way that you start the game, and we can talk about the referees a little bit, and the referees put the Packers in some really difficult positions to open the game. I thought they actually, you know, Green Bay got a couple calls as the game went on. Granted, it was not really a game at that point, maybe, but uh, it wouldn't have mattered. Let's not kid ourselves, and there's going to be games where you get some calls. There's going to be games where you don't get some calls. There were some really crappy calls in this game. There have been really crappy calls, and just about every game throughout the entirety of the NFL this season. Uh, This was not a loss that's on the officials. It didn't help. It sucked, but this was not on the officials. And, uh, you know, you you can talk about that, but this opening drive 
where you start, you get a, you know, you get a first down, a little bit of a, you know, BS taunting penalty, you know, to be fair, to be honest, uh, but that pushes them back, but they still have a first down. Then you've got kind of a bizarro deep ball to MVS. You have a rush that goes for zero yards and then the the sack fumble, and you really spot the 49ers seven points to start the game. And to have, again, two weeks to prepare, you script your opening offense and to come up with that as your first drive on offense and not only not get points, not only not get production, not only flip field position, but to get the the opening kickoff, everyone's jacked up, got a ton of energy and to turn the ball over and again, basically spot the 49 or seven points, that is unacceptable and that is concerning. Um, so starting the game with uh, that turnover was was concerning, the pass protection all game long. And again, you go back to that Chargers game. The biggest issue with that Chargers game was their inability to really match up with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. And now, you know, you catch a little bit of a break. D Ford's out. Yes, they still have Armstead and Buckner and, uh, of course, you know, Nick Bosa. But they had no answer for the edge rushers and the pressure that San Francisco brought. Uh, five sacks on the game, but the the pressure led to a lot more problems than just those five sacks. And the pass protection became a major issue. Yes, Brian Bulaga went down with the injury, uh, and that's something that you need to be prepared for, though. Uh, you know, frankly, Brian Bulaga is not a player at this point in his career who's going to give you sixteen games. You'll take the 12 games that you get and the 12 games that he plays. He plays at a pretty high level and you'll take that. And and hopefully he's healthy down the the stretch run is what you're hoping for. But you have to be prepared that he's going to miss some playing time here and there. He's at that stage in his career where, again, it's it's not fair to expect a straight up 16 games out of him. His, His body's not at that point. And that's not necessarily his fault. And like I said, you're you're more than willing to pay for the, the 12 games that he can get you, but you have to have a, a plan in place if he goes out. And I, I really enjoy Alex Light as a player. Uh, he struggled, you know, this game. And I don't think I'm going to surprise anyone by saying that. I'll, I'm... For you know, I'm I'm kind of excited to to go through and see how he grades out and and how he performed. But at first glance, it didn't look pretty. But you have to have a contingency plan for that. And, and if he can't get the job done, and I'm not saying that that's the case, it seemed like that was the case. But if he's not getting the job done, then you have to kind of have a plan B. Uh, Philadelphia today went with their backup, uh, Andre Dillard, and Dillard struggled throughout the majority of that game. They they made a change in the second half, and it went a little bit better. They still struggled in the second half as well. But if something's not working, you have to you have to try some different things. The Steelers today, Mason Rudolph struggled through the first half. They went with Devlin Hodges, and they came away with a victory. So uh, they didn't have a contingency plan. I don't think they did enough to help Alex Light throughout that the game once Brian Bulaga went down, but. Even when Bulaga was in there, and even not anything to do with Alex Light, this was not a good enough performance from a pass protection standpoint from beginning to end. And from, you know, Bakhtiari to Lindsley to Jenkins to Turner to Light to Bulaga to the tight ends to the fullbacks, everyone that was in pass protection, it just wasn't good enough. The other concern no counter, no counter punch. The, the 49ers punched Green Bay in the face early and often and throughout the entirety of the first half. And Green Bay could not counter punch, could not get anything going, could not even just get to halftime to regroup uh, and, and hopefully only be down maybe 10 points or 13 points. The end of the first half was ugly, which really let you know San Francisco really grab a hold of that game. And there was never a counter punch. And finally, 
And when you did kind of counter punch and you get the the eight point drive, it was an eight and a half minute drive when you're down by, you know, what, 22 points, 23 points, I think it was 23 points at that point. Yeah, San Francisco is probably going to be okay giving up an eight and a half minute drive where you get eight points. And then, oh, by the way, again, you know, they come back and just hit a shot play to George Kittle to, to basically counterpunch you right back. Which And while it took you eight and a half minutes to get eight points, it took them all of, what, three plays to get seven right back. And, and credit, you know, Kyle Shanahan, they had... They had their their shot play, you know, drawn up, and they they had that in the bag for when they wanted to use it, and they kind of kept it in their back pocket for the right moment, and they used it at exactly the right time. Green Bay had just finally got a tiny bit of momentum. That's a two score game with about twenty minutes left to play in that game. That is within striking distance for an Aaron Rodgers off led offense potentially. Probably not today, but you get my point. And at that very moment, they took that play out of their back pocket. They had it drawn up. They had an idea that it was going to work against Green Bay. They called it at exactly the right time, and it was the dagger. It was absolutely the dagger that put the the final nail in the coffin uh, for Green Bay. Uh, great play by George Kittle. I'm I'm excited to see what Ben Fennell says on this one. He he does a phenomenal job of breaking down those plays in, in intricate detail. I think they caught at first glance for me, I think they caught Green Bay in a very similar uh play that Minnesota did earlier this year. If you remember when Jair Alexander had the opportunity against the Vikings, I can't remember if it was Diggs or not, but I think it was Diggs. And uh, Jair Alexander made a huge recovery on the play and should have made an interception in the end zone, but it went right through his hands. And I think it was Diggs who came down with the touchdown. They were in cover three on that play. King was on the outside. Jair was on the other outside. And in that play, Savage was the, the center safety. And they ran a crosser. Savage came down on the safety, which I actually had an opportunity to ask Darnell Savage in the locker room after that. And he said, that's exactly what was supposed to happen on that play. He grabs the crosser. Uh, King goes deep to his side. Alexander goes deep to the other side and they kind of converge in the middle and and displace the middle of that field. Um, and, And honestly, that's Alexander's play. And against Minnesota, Alexander made a great play to get all the way back deep side of the field. That's not a common play in his speed and his athleticism and his smarts, frankly, put him in a position to make the play against Minnesota, but he had to go right through his hands and the Vikings got a big touchdown on the play. Green Bay played it the right way, but didn't execute at the end and Minnesota got the touchdown. You look back at this play, it looks very similar at first glance. It looks like King's in a cover three to his side. It looks like uh, Amos is going to play the role of Darnell Savage here. He's going to attack the crosser, which is exactly what he did. He attacked the crosser. It just doesn't look at this, uh, from what I saw in this play, if in fact they were in cover three, that Alexander actually got back to displace the safety and get back and cover the center of the field, which left Kevin King completely out to dry. There's a chance it could have been a, uh, a matchup zone uh, where, where you kind of play zone to start and then you kind of play man after. And if that's the case, then it is on King. Um, again, at first glance, I, I look at this as a, a cover three again where, where Alexander didn't get back. It's a tough play. And I think one of the things that really, really goes unsaid a lot of times because we always look for blame on a lot of different plays in some situations and in some scenarios, a really great play call on offense uh, 
makes up for, uh, you know, a, a play call on defense. And it doesn't necessarily always have to do with execution. Uh, every single defensive call, whether it's a cover three, a cover two, a cover four, uh, a blitz, whatever, has something that you can beat it with. And if you execute your offensive play the right way, you can beat that play call on defense. And sometimes that just happens. And it hasn't happened enough for Green Bay on offense over the course of the last few weeks. Uh, But this was a play where uh, San Francisco got a great look. It was a really great play call at the right place at the right time. And if if the play is what I think it is, I, I don't think Alexander got back. Again, that's a tough play for Alexander, and it's a tough play to read. You're you're usually when you're in cover three, and you're getting way back on your side of the field. There's somebody on your side of the field that you're running with, and if you don't see anyone on your side of the field throughout that entirety of the play, your natural instinct is to to look for something in front of you and go attack it. And that's what he was doing on that play. He was looking for something that he could go do somewhere where he could go cover. And behind him is a wide open George Kittle. And I'm remiss to put that on Kevin King at the moment. If it was cover three, that's not Kevin King's play to make. Uh, He is not responsible for the inside of the field. But uh, either way, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Uh, It does not matter who's at fault individually. It matters that Green Bay gave up a massive touchdown to George Kittle at the very moment, at the very moment that they gained just a tiny bit of momentum, a tiny string of hope that they could, you know, leech onto and and try to rally and they they crushed it. And again, a great job by Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers offense for running that specific play. Again, I guarantee they had it drawn up. I guarantee that they knew that that was a coverage that they could attack. They probably saw it on that play against Minnesota and they used it at exactly the right time. They got the defense that they wanted and they executed it perfectly. And again, that was, that was the dagger. So those were all uh, very, very big concerns. And uh, I think a lot of what led to, to Green Bay losing this game in, in go away fashion. Wanted to take a look at just the offense and defense a little bit more in depth, and I think it has to start with the game plan, and I didn't think that this was a good enough game plan, and sometimes it's a little bit tough to tell exactly what the game plan was when you get behind early. And I do think they were trying to establish the run and and give credit to the 49ers. They did a good job of stuffing the run early. Green Bay got away from it. They had to pass, especially once they got down. They didn't have Brian Bulaga anymore. The 49ers were able to sit back in seven-man coverages, get home with four, and it's going to be tough to pass your way back into a game when you can get pressure with four guys and, and really cover with the seven players that the 49ers have on defense. They've got a good coverage team and they have a good pass rushing team. I mean, just think if they had D Ford too, that would have been even scarier. But, uh, you know, credit the 49ers, but this wasn't a good enough game plan for Green Bay. And again, wasn't a good enough uh, counter when, when Brian Bulaga goes down and, and to try to help Alex Light and to try to make sure that the, the offensive line was functioning well enough to be able to to get this offense in, in manageable situations. And they just never, never managed any of that. And that uh, was, again, another key reason why they weren't in this ballgame. Uh, you can't start the game with a turnover. I want to talk a little bit about Geronimo Allison as well. I've been pretty tough uh, on Geronimo Allison. He has been my lowest graded player throughout the course of the season so far on the entire team. I don't see why he continues to get the snaps on offense. He had the the big drop early in this game. He had a, a block in the back, which was 
seemed pretty ticky tacky. I probably wouldn't have called it. Um, but a penalty on Allison, nonetheless, more concerning is his lack of playmaking ability. He, he had three catches in this game. Those three catches, a total of nine yards. Going back to the Chiefs game, so this is what, four games now? Yeah, four games ago. So you count this game, the, the Panthers game, the, the Chargers game, and the Chiefs game. So four games total. In those four games, Allison has nine catches for 43 yards, less than five yards per catch. Something's got to give. You know, he he has the drops. He has a big fumble already on the season that, that uh, did not help Green Bay at all. He is not dynamic after the catch. He's not gaining separation. He's an okay run blocker. I'll give him that. He's he's a good blocker on some of those wide receiver screens, but it, it's time to give somebody else an opportunity on those snaps. They they simply haven't been good enough, and they need to find different options. I didn't I didn't see enough out of Jay Kumaro and Alan Lazard today. I would have liked them to see more playing time and, and Geronimo Allison less. He just hasn't put anything on tape. Throughout the season, he had the one drive at the end of the first half against the Philadelphia Eagles where he caught the really big pass over the middle, and then he caught the touchdown uh, either a play or a couple plays later. A really great end of a, a drive for Geronimo Allison specifically. And if you take that drive away, the rest of his season has been nothing short of abysmal on the whole. So he's he's an easy player to cheer for, and he's in a contract season, and I, I want to see him do well. I hope that he does well. But it just hasn't been there, and it is time to try something new. Uh, he he was a disappointment in this game. They try to get him involved early, and it just nothing doing. And I think one of the biggest issues for the Packers at this moment is trying to find different options besides Devontae Adams to try to get going. And right now, Geronimo Allison is not it. I also thought Corey Lindsley uh, had a tough game today. I honestly one of the, the toughest games that I can remember him having. And uh, I'll, again, go back and, and grade how he did throughout the course of the game on the whole, but a ton of low snaps, a ton of low snaps today, which did not put uh, Aaron Rodgers in any favorable positions. And especially when you've got an offensive line that's struggling to protect, at least give Aaron Rodgers the ability to look down the field when you get the initial snap instead of having to focus on the snap itself that was that was difficult to watch. And then I thought Lindsley struggled both in pass protection and in run blocking as well. Um, that, again, was at first glance. I'm going to take a, a much greater look at it as I grade the game this week, but I thought that was one of his worst games in a long, long time. I have him as my highest rated offensive lineman on the season, one of my top five you know players on offense. If, if not in my top three, I think actually he's number three behind Rodgers and Jones going into this game and just a really tough performance for him. Uh, a couple other notes on offense. I thought Zach Cruz did a good job of pointing this out on Twitter. Uh, in this game, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, Alan Lazard, and Jake Kumro had 10 targets, four catches for 23 yards. So your secondary options at receiver besides Devontae Adams, 10 targets, four catches, 23 yards, 2.3 yards per target. Massive, massive issue. You take a look at the tight ends in this game, four targets, three catches, 15 yards, two of those catches by Robert Tanyan on the last drive from Tim Boyle in complete garbage time. Even still, three catches for 15 yards on the day on four targets. So your secondary receivers aren't getting it done. Your tight ends are getting it done. 
Granted, nobody on offense got it done in this game, but you can see the issue that that presents. Other teams are going to start taking away Adams. They're going to start taking away the running backs, and they're going to make Geronimo Allison and Jake Kumro and Jimmy Graham and Alan Lazard and Mark Wesveldis Scantling. It's going to be up to those guys to win. And if they can't, it it doesn't. You know, nothing else is really going to matter. You know, teams are going to shut down Adams and Jones. Come come big games, come playoff time. The Vikings are going to do it in a few weeks. If, you know, the other teams are going to do it. You know, the, the Redskins, the Giants, the Bears, they're all going to do it too. That Bears game is, I don't care who's at court. That, game, that game's going to be a tough game uh, with the Bears defense still being as good as they are. And with the blueprint that other teams have put out there, Green Bay has to evolve from these issues that they have had. And if they do not, uh, the rest of the season's for not. And it's good in a way to have some of these issues now. If you don't have them now and you don't learn from your mistakes now, they're going to happen in the playoffs. So learn from them now, get them done with. Again, the issue and the, what's so concerning is that you saw these issues against the Chargers. You had an opportunity to correct them over the bye. You clearly did not. That's a problem. Um, last thing about the offense, just looking at the passing offense as a whole over the course of the last three games, three games, this is three games worth of statistics. Aaron Rodgers passing, 60 of 97, good completion percentage, uh, 498 yards in three games, two touchdowns, no interceptions, one loss fumble, and 10 sacks. On the surface, that may not sound horrible. You know, two touchdowns, no interceptions, you're at least in the positive there. You know, 60 of 97, okay, Your, your completion percentage is okay but only 498 yards and almost 100 attempts. It's about five yards per attempt. That's really, really bad. You add in 10 sacks, they have 445 net passing yards over those three games. Basically, what that equates to, 148 passing yards per game on average through the last three games. So against the Chargers, Panthers, and 49ers, 445 net passing yards or an average of 148 yards per game. That's concerning as well. I know I'm, you know, killing a dead you know, horse here with saying concerning over and over and over. But if you have an offensive minded coach in Matt LaFleur and you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, Devontae Adams at receiver, Aaron Jones at running back, Bakhtiari at left tackle, and you can't manage over 150 yards per game passing, the question has to be, have teams caught on already to, to Matt LaFleur and this offense? What what has gone wrong specifically? And, and the pass protection is a big answer to that. It hasn't been very good two of those three games, and that's a big reason why. The weather, I'm sure, against Carolina you know, wasn't advantageous either, but that's a concerning number any way that you want to slice it. 445 net passing yards in three games. All of that, you know, doesn't have you uh, super excited enough uh, from an offensive standpoint. Let's take a look a little bit at the defense. And this one's a little bit tough to judge from a defensive standpoint because your offense did you no favors. You're immediately down 7 nothing. You kind of hang in for a little bit. Your offense continues to, uh, you know, not put you in advantageous positions. Your special teams doesn't put you in advantageous positions, but you don't make a play. I know it wasn't good enough, you know, however you want to grade it, however you want to slice it, it, it wasn't good enough on defense. You know, the, there's the one yard touchdown, you know, or one play touchdown to start the game, but they allowed 37 points overall. 
the Kittle touchdown was very discouraging. The, the inability to, to stop tight ends continues to be very discouraging. The fact that they are very inefficient on defense is very discouraging. There's not a lot there to like out of this performance. They had a couple bend but don't breaks early in the game again. You can only do that for so often, and especially against uh, an offense like this and a Kyle Shanahan-led offense, a Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense. I didn't even think the 49ers had to work that hard, to be honest. And again, only 45 plays, and they put up 37 points. And again, it just goes back to that offensive efficiency uh, that you know opposing teams have been able to to have against Green Bay's defense. This has not been a a very stellar defense, and I talk about this all the time. And I th- I think the reason I I say this is a little bit tough to judge on the defense is because ideally you would have some level of complementary football. Ideally, the offense would be putting some points on the board and getting some sort of lead so the defense can play from ahead or at least, you know, moving the ball and then your special teams is pinning them deep in their own, in their own, you know, you know, red zone or their own, you know, side of the field. And it's not that at all. The offense didn't hold up their end of the bargain. The special teams didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Green Bay's losing the field position battle. They're, you know, they're they're losing every battle, frankly. So the the defense doesn't get a pass here, but uh, they they weren't put in a lot of great positions, and they've been they've been having to do this over and over and over and over again. Where their offense, you know, at least recently, hasn't put the defense and their special teams hasn't put the defense in a ton of great positions, and they've had to do a lot of that bending but not breaking. So uh, I know it's not good enough, and uh, I know that they need to improve. They again, no turnovers, no big plays. They had a couple sacks. I did think if you want to name an MVP of this game, I think Zadarius Smith was the MVP. I thought he had another really, really sound performance. He was the the best player against the the Chargers in that crappy game as well, and he showed up pretty much week in and week out. So kudos to him. He deserves credit for the way that he's played. But I'm not sure anyone deserves any sort of MVP award in this game. And no matter which way you look at it, it just wasn't enough. And uh, I don't, I don't think the defense did enough in this game. And I don't think there's a lot of great takeaways from the defense, even though they weren't put in a lot of great positions. And we talked about the special teams a little bit already. We talked about J.K. Scott massively struggling. The return units. I mean, this is all you need to know. Again, they they have the negative yards on punt returns again, but all you need to know is that in the second half, the 49ers kick off and Traymond Smith gives the signal for, you know, no return. He, you know, puts his arms out in the, you know, T or whatever that you want to call it. And uh, the ball bounces at the two yard line. He, they, they're giving up on the kick return when it's a completely returnable kick. They're basically just saying, you know what? We're just going to take it at the 25 because we don't expect to do better than that returning the kick. They're not even trying. When the ball bounces at the two-yard line and you just let it go into the end zone, that's all you need to know about the state of the return units. And that's unacceptable. And I've said that a lot too, but here's why that's so damning at this point in the season. Usually, the reason why teams struggle at special teams at this point in the season is because injuries have hit everywhere else and you can't play a lot of your core special teams guys because they have to play on offense and in defense and you don't want them get to get hurt. So the guys that made up your practice squad and things like that at the beginning of the season are now counted on to play a ton of special team snaps. That's not the case with Green Bay. 
They have pretty much their picking of who they want to play on special teams, and it still is very, very ugly. So that is a a concern that has not gone away at any point this season. The return units are brutal. The punting's gotten worse as the season has gone along. Their kickoff unit hasn't been great. I don't recall any major issue in it in this specific game, but the special teams as a whole has been near atrocious uh, on the uh, you know on the season, and that is another area that needs to get cleaned up if if they really want to contend moving forward. I guess your one piece of good news for this game uh, is it doesn't seem like Green Bay had any major injuries coming out of this. Uh, the report from uh, Rob Domofsky after the game is that Green Bay believes that they avoided a major injury with Brian Bulaga and that it seems to be more of a week-to-week type issue than any sort of season-ending type knee injury. So that is huge news and very good news. The only other injury that I saw through the course of the game was Darnell Savage. He had the hit to the head, but he did return to the game. So it seems like he cleared that concussion protocol already. So that's great news. So if there's one takeaway from this game, I guess it's that it, it seems like Green Bay got mostly out of it with with no major injuries. So that's good. But you know Brian Bulaga could potentially miss some time. We'll we'll see as as the week goes on, and we'll see what happens against the Giants. But yeah, I guess that's that's one very 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 minor you know win from this game. But I I guess it would have been way worse if if Bulaga was lost for the season. That would have been a pretty crippling blow. So hopefully that good news is correct. And, uh, you know, Green Bay can get him back sooner rather than later. I know it doesn't seem like the time to take a look at playoff seeding, but uh, Green Bay is still very well within the thick of things. They currently see themselves at the number three spot. So the 49ers are at one, the Saints are at two, the Packers at three, the Cowboys at four, the Seahawks at five, and the Vikings at six. If the season were to end today, Packers Vikings in Lambeau Field in the wild card round as the three and six seeds respectively. That NFC wild card and playoff picture still shaping up to be just insane with 49ers, Saints, Packers, Cowboys, Seahawks, and Vikings. It is going to be an absolute bloodbath with those six teams and why, you know, really it was so important. Uh, for Green Bay to to try to get that by to not have to play three games and instead only have to play two. It's just going to be a really tough stretch. And uh, it certainly seems like those are the six teams that are going to get in. You know, Cowboys Eagles could still be there. Both teams did not look good today. And uh, that might be the weak link. But yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough road, no matter how you play it. And if you can have home field, and if you can have Uh, you know, only two games instead of three, that certainly seems like a much better recipe. You never know in the NFL. And, you know, when Green Bay won their their last Super Bowl, it was three games on the road. I just don't see any team. I don't care if it's any of the six teams that are set to get in in the NFC. I don't see any team going on the road three weeks against this NFC and winning all three of those games. I just think it's, I think it's too tough of a conference, frankly. So that'll be something that uh, Green Bay has to do. They still can get to that two line. I think today pretty much really eliminated that the potential of getting a one seed. They'd have to win out, and you know San Francisco would have to lose three games uh, of their remaining five. So they they probably lost the any chance at the one seed. But if they could at least get up to that that number two spot, that would be big. But first things first, they got to get back on the right track, and they got to win the division because that that game looming with the Vikings is going to be huge. Speaking of which, uh, the remaining Packers schedule, they go to the Giants this week, then the Redskins and Bears at home, 
at Vikings in a massive Monday night football matchup, likely with the division on the line, and then at Lions to end the season. There's a chance that Green Bay could face Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Mitch Trubisky, potentially a backup quarterback in Jeff Driscoll for the Lions, depending on what they do with Stafford to end the season. They're not going to be in that game and they may just want to hold Stafford out. They're not going to be, you know, any playoff implications, I guess I should say for the Lions. So they could be Jeff Driscoll and then Kirk Cousins would be the last uh, one in the second last week of the season. The one quarterback that has played actually well through the course of the last, you know, at least half of the season. So again, it would go potentially Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Trubisky, Cousins, and then maybe Jeff Driscoll. So not exactly a gauntlet of tough quarterbacks. This is an opportunity for Green Bay's defense, hopefully to get right, uh, get things going in the right direction. But it's easy to see why that Vikings-Packers game seems so incredibly important and, and, and likely the key to winning the NFC North. You hate to say it, you know, to, to just burn this tape for the, the second time in, in three games, but that's probably what Green Bay needs to do. Uh, but I thought Matt LaFleur was 100% his, 100% correct in his assessment after the game as well. Everyone in that locker room needs to take a really deep look at their performance from, from coaches to, uh, to, the, to the players, the offense, the defense, the special teams, the specialty coaches, everything. Everyone has to take a deep look and you have to correct the issues that came up in this game again. And who knows? Maybe it's just a California West Coast thing. I don't know. I doubt that that's the case. You take those two games away, and this is an eight and one team, and they look fantastic. You know, that you look at just those two games, and you would say that this isn't a, a team that has any right competing anywhere, you know, right now. But different teams match up differently, you know, with, you know, uh, with themselves and Green Bay could match up well against Minnesota and Seattle and Dallas and you know the the rest of the teams in the NFC who knows and, and maybe there's a path for them but if they have to go to San Francisco again and, and win there in order to, to move on in the playoffs it's easy to see that that's going to be quite the challenge and, and they have a long way to go if they want to clean up what they showed on tape today to go in in, in San Francisco in a playoff matchup and, and try to win that game. I think that does it for me. Uh, again, my, my big takeaway is that this was concerning. This is a concerning loss all the way around. It's just one game, but it's a game that looked a lot like the Chargers game just a few weeks back. And uh, and it's just totally unacceptable to, to perform that way coming out of a bye week when you've had that much time to prepare against really a, a tired and beat up 49ers team. I don't care if it's on the road. So concerning, disappointing, frustrating, all of them are, are adjectives that you could use to describe this game. But Green Bay has everything they still want in front of them. And this will be a, a good opportunity again to, to come and, and show what they can do coming out of adversity. They're 2-0 uh, coming off of losses already. Aaron Jones has to, you know, completely teared it up in those, in those two games. 200 yards rushing, 75 yards receiving, and 75, uh, 75 that'd be a, a record. Seven touchdowns in those two games following a loss. We'll see if Green Bay feeds him uh, next week as well and and really tries to get him involved. I would think that they should, but uh, Green Bay's got a big game with the Giants coming up, and I'll be back next week to discuss that game with you in more detail after the game, hopefully in a much better uh, circumstance with them coming off a big win against the Giants. 
That does it for me. Make sure to check out Matt, Dan, and Janelle as they continue to break down this game and start breaking down Packers Giants. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Please go out and like, subscribe, and uh, tell a friend. You know, we will take any support we can get, and we always appreciate it greatly. I appreciate you listening today. I know it's not always the the one to listen to after a, a tough loss, so I appreciate you uh, sticking with it and, and hanging with me. Uh, keep, keep an eye out for my grades throughout the course of the week, packerreport.com. You can get all the grades out there throughout the course of the season, so make sure to go do that as well. But thanks as always for listening. I always appreciate it. Even after a crushing defeat, I'll leave you with a big Go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.